You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. The third and final hour, ladies and gentlemen, is now upon us, and it's going by far too quickly from Alabama's Southern Cultural Center. Uh, We are going to now shift gears one more time and spread the wealth around a little bit. We're going to have a variety of guests on in this, our third and final hour, beginning with none other than John Hill. Now, John has become a fast friend this year, but I've got an interesting story about this just to show, I guess, the... the, the, the different ways connections are made within our universe, but... I was doing a book signing at the launch of the Honorable Cause at Dixie Republic and Travelers Rest, South Carolina, on April the 1st of this year. And we were all there. And while I was there, one of the people there brought uh, me a card. And it was the card of John Hill. And he said, this is a guy. He's the, the closest living descendant of uh, General A.P. Hill. We met him. He came by the store a few days ago. I think he's solid. I think he'd be a great guest. Uh, okay. All right. Now, that sounds very interesting. And by the way, this is it was April, April 1st. This is Confederate History Month. We're looking for guests like that, particularly so year round, but particularly so that month. And so I go to his website. I find his Twitter. And at the top of his Twitter page, I see him shaking hands with none other than Jared Taylor at the reinterment of General A.P. Hill. So I said, I got well. Come on now, this is too good to be true. And then, after a few twists and turns and a few months, here we are all together tonight. How about that, Jared? Oh, I think it's magnificent. It's wonderful. I have a little story to tell tell you, maybe. I only heard in a roundabout way of the fact of this interment. It had to do with the fact that the guy who works for me was in touch with Brother Hill here. And so I found out that this was happening, but I had also gotten the false information that this was going to be a small private family affair. I said, well, you know what? I feel so strongly about this. I'm going to crash this party. And if the family wants me to go over the hill, I will certainly do so. But I would love to pay my respects to a Confederate general of the highest caliber. So that's why I was there. Well, thank you very much for showing up, Mr. Taylor. And the picture of uh, me and you shaking hands is one of my favorite pictures from the reinterment. Uh, that paragraph that was going around that was saying that it was supposed to be a small family event, you're doing a dishonor to the general and the family to not show up is, or to show up is, uh, it was false. And I actually spent weeks, you know, typing up my own paragraph and sending it to every Southern organization to show up because I wanted, yeah, I wanted a big crowd for AP Hill because that's what he would have wanted. Well, imagine my surprise when I show up at what's supposed to be this little family affair, and I thought, you know, I might be an unwanted guest, and there are a thousand people there. <laughs> oh, Big my, family. My heart leapt to see the ladies in mourning dressed in their black dresses, the UDC people, and I don't know how many reenactors in their Confederate you uniforms. You were dressed pretty dandy, too. Uh, not well, dandy. I would say like a cavalier. No, no, no. I was wearing an overcoat a coat and tie, and a black hat in honor of the general. It Amen. seemed to me that was the best, the, the least I could do. 
Uh, John, uh, I want to give you the opportunity. We have about four or five minutes left this segment, and I want to give the mic over to you. You and Jared continue this conversation. I'm going to step over into the green room, as it were, and get a, a, a little more ice. But uh, tell us about your presentation today and, of course, how people can support your work and what work that is. I know you've been on three or four times, so they should know by now, but let's do it again. I just wanted to say thank you to you uh, for letting me on your show again. You're and uh I want to say thank you to uh, Mike Horton for inviting me out here. Uh, I just like to do, you know, travel five, 6,000 miles a month to uh, honor AP Hill and do two-hour-long presentations. And what I hear at a lot of my presentations is that they never knew anything about AP Hill until me. And that's what I want to do. I just want to spread the word of uh, General Hill and make him a household name like Lee and Jackson. I must say I am deeply impressed by how much you know about your ancestor. You have done all kinds of research on your own, not just reading from secondary sources. You've been digging up in the archives. You've been going to museums. You've been looking at artifacts that have been shut off from view for 100 years. I can't tell you how much I respect that. I'm sure your ancestors looking down upon you from heaven and saying, wow, finally, finally, somebody in my family is doing what had to be done. That really means a lot. Thank you. Now my girlfriend's upset because I can name General Hill's birthday faster than I can hers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh, well I won't I won't comment on that. Uh, but uh, no, uh, it uh, it's it's remarkable the artifacts that you've gathered, your dedication to the memory of this great man. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and it makes me wonder why no one else. I wonder how many how many descendants or collateral descendants of A.P. Hill of your age or your generation are alive. You must know several others. And what are they doing? They're sitting on their hands? They don't care if his name's dragged through the mud? It's just people are too afraid to go out and do anything. They don't want to lose their job, which I understand that, but they don't want to lose their job. They don't want to have any flack at all about doing this. And some excuses I've had is, you know, the game's on. I beg your pardon? The the, they say the game is on. They the, couldn't go this oh, weekend oh, the, because of a football game. Oh, the game, game is on. You know, people, game men are too comfortable on. with their AC and football and beer. They don't want to go out and do anything for our heritage. Good grief. The game is on. That is a phrase <laughs> I almost never hear. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Golly. To think that that's an important part in somebody's life. Wow. What degenerates we've become, mm -hmm. especially when people are dragging our heritage, our race, everything that we value and love through the mud, and the game is on. Golly. Wow. Boy, our ancestors would be so ashamed of us. It's a miserable yeah. thing. They'd look down at disappointment with that. I mean, they gave their lives for Dixie, and you got people now wanting to watch a game over even showing up to an event. Well, tell me, what, what is your goal in all these miles you're putting on your Jeep? But what, what is your ultimate goal? My goal is to make A.P. Hill a household name like Lee and Jackson and to have his legacy remembered and his, how gallant he was, you know, riding over 600 yards in front of his men and almost getting captured multiple times, you know, seizing the colors at Fraser's farm when his brigade was getting bombarded. And he turned to his men and said, damn you, if you'll not follow me, I'll die alone. And he rode off at a full gallop. Mm. That's, there's bravery like that is not around anymore. No, no. But, and I understand you're trying to establish a fund to build another monument for him, a, yes, fitting, a fin fitting tribute to him. I started the uh, AP Hill Legacy Foundation, and I'm going to have uh, an apparel line, and I'm taking uh, taxable donations to raise a, a monument for AP Hill. Wow. 
How far along are you on? Uh, how far have you gotten along in that project? Uh, I've actually been doing pretty good lately, especially thanks to the uh, Amren conference. Wonderful. Got a lot of donations there. And, um, you know, I'm pretty far along. And I also have another person who is interested in uh, uh, an artist wanting to do the monument. So. Well, just last week, just last week, uh, we were delighted to have you at the American Renaissance Conference and tell our people, not all of whom are Southerners, but I think all the Northerners wish they were. Mm-hmm. Because they wish they were us. They wish they were us. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so incredible the way our flag has been denigrated and spat upon. All around the world, it's seen as the flag right. of liberty, right. of people Protect throwing off tyranny. Yes, it, even the Poles in the Solidarity Movement trying to fight off the communists, they were waving the battle flag. Yeah. Seconds remain. John, give us your website. How can people help? The bad guys are trying to take monuments down. The righteous are trying to erect new ones. How can they help you do it? To AP Hill. APHillLegacyFoundation.org. And my uh, P.O. Box is John Hill. It's uh, P.O. Box 261, Avon Lake, Ohio, 44012. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8, 44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God. Truth is sacred in the kingdom, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to TPC. Your host, James Edwards, or am I your co-host? How about Jared Taylor's hosting ability? Uh, not, he's not just my all-time leading guest. Uh, he was uh, handling that. I was thinking about uh, you know just taking off the rest of the night, getting off easy tonight. No, listen, it's, as they say, Jared, uh, the old saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And I think uh, you and I uh, can... Uh, 
appreciate that uh, between this program and Amrin, respectively. Uh, but in any event, uh, we are back, and John Friend is with us. He is the associate editor of the American Free Press. And as you know, ladies and gentlemen, the American Free Press has always been good to this radio program. My relationship with the American Free Press actually predates my relationship with this program. Uh, I went up there in 2003 and met with Willis Cardo in Washington, D.C., and he was kind enough to let me write a couple of articles there. And uh, now, almost 20 years later, uh, we just signed on back in uh, June to write regular pieces for the American Free Press. I think I've been in about the last five or six issues, and uh, we've got another one coming up. Just been a lot of fun to, to flex, uh, test my writing chops again after uh, getting on the radio and leaving that all behind for the spoken word. But All right, here we go. Yeah, we'll let you do it. Here, I, I, you're going to take mine. Here's John Friend, John Friend, Jared Taylor, and uh, here you go, John. Had to twist James' arm a little bit. Had to twist James' arm, arm a little bit oh, to get yeah, it, yeah, to yeah. get him to finally to start contributing to the newspaper. No, but it's been great. Um, I think you're a great contributor. Obviously, You've got a lot to say, a lot of important topics that you've written about, including the most recent one, which I think was probably the the best article that you've contributed thus far. It's only been, I think, yeah, five or six issues. So, no, it's great to have you on board. American Free Press is really America's last real newspaper. Still a print, national, biweekly publication populist and independent not an easy thing to do in this day and age just get as close as you can because these things are finicky now i was going to say I'm, i paid this compliment to, to to jared quite often uh jared's not only incomparable himself he surrounds himself with wonderful people and i think that uh, the best writer we have in the op-ed sense in our movement is uh, one gregory hood of american renaissance anytime i see a new feature by gregory hood i know it's going to be uh, an outstanding piece but I will say this, and I've told you this before, John, and I told you this, Jared, last night. Pound for pound, our best who, what, where, when, and why, just the facts type of reporter for our side is John Friend. He does great work doing true newshound type of uh, uh, articles. And I know you were actually, this is, again, serendipitous in so much as, you know, how we all met John Friend this year. Just earlier this week, and you didn't get the email, I don't believe, because we were in transit from one conference to the next, but uh, you were seeking a comment from Jared Taylor, yes. and how about ask him now because he's right here across the table from you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, th there was a, a pretty important story that broke. Uh, the Brookings Institution, a very prestigious think tank in Washington, D.C., released a study basically documenting the reality of the whole Great Replacement, which we've been told is this anti-Semitic conspiracy theory, basically, by you know, mainstream politicians in the in the mass media, except, of course, when they're celebrating that reality. Right. So this was a, a pretty, you know, important story, something that Jared Taylor has been talking about for decades now. So I figured he'd be a perfect person to comment on it. Um, so now, actually, you can comment on it right to my face. <laughs> well, uh, the point that you make two important points. One is that this is a phenomenon that has been going on for decades. We are becoming a minority, increasingly a minority. And I, as I like to say, when they passed the Immigration Act of 1965, if they had told the Congress what was really going to happen, if they'd said, well, you know, if you pass this law in maybe 70, 75 years, white people are going to be a minority. You're 90 percent now, and you're going to be 49 percent in 75 years. They would not have said, no, we're not going to vote this. They would have said, Hell no, we're not going to vote this. Right. This, this is, this was something, 
This was foisted on the American people. And then once all this start, all this happened and all these strange people from strange parts of the world started coming in, we started pretending that diversity is our strength. It's never been our strength. It's always been a weakness. But as you point out, whenever we point, about, we point out this and when we call it the great replacement, whites are being replaced. This is a country our ancestors built, not for those people over there, not for those people over there either, but for us. Right. And when we complain about that, it's a conspiracy theory, for heaven's sake. And on the other hand, when they talk about, well, when Hispanics, when there are enough Hispanics here in this country, we're going to get rid of the Second Amendment. And when there are enough, uh, enough people from Haiti and Guatemala here, oh boy, all of this business about being white is going to go out the window. It's going to be so happy. Then it's not a conspiracy theory at all. It's something to celebrate. Exactly. John, you nailed it. Uh, it's a conspiracy theory, except for when they're celebrating it. And I'll tell you, somebody who believed in the Great Replacement was Mark Potok, formerly of the Southern Poverty Law Center, who was literally at a a post-it note or a yellow piece of legal paper on his office door in this one documentary and you see it and of course our internet sleuths you know zoomed in on it it has the white uh, pop uh, percentage of the population year by year and it's going down 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 so i think he would believe in it right i mean or am i wrong john oh no absolutely well and it's and as you point out this is not something that the american people wanted or voted for this is a very elite driven top-down agenda and again they would gaslight you and and make it seem like it's some conspiracy theory if you object to it or notice it or point it out or simply try to you know spread the news about it so it's it's really one of the most insidious agendas and the fact that we have the brookings institution basically you know writing a whole report about it how i think the the report was basically how gen z would be the last majority white demographic in american history it's just outrageous that you can't even openly talk about these things and, and what politicians are talking about this well. none that i know of I believe uh, somebody has used the word great replacement. Hasn't there been a congressman who Brad, used that word? Do you know anybody that's used great replacement that's in has, politics? Has that, uh, has, 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 I think maybe Black Masters has. But maybe no. Steve King has said yeah. something along those lines well, oh, when, he, he, when, when, yeah, he was, when he was in Congress. Yes, uh, yes. But, this but very is, few and far between. This is something that's got to be front and center. This is what is going on. This Absolutely. is what white people face. And for us to sort of, uh, no, oh, we don't even notice. Or if you notice, we don't even care. This is what we this were talking about today. If somebody will step into the moment. And Trump, again, inadvertently got us very far. But even he has never stepped. He was always telling us what he would do for the Hispanics, the gays, the, the blacks. If someone would step into the moment and be the white man's candidate or the white people's candidate, uh, that man is going to be playing with fire, John. Absolutely. And, and that's the potential that Trump had and still continues to have to a certain extent or any politician. I think Trump more than anybody else, just given his unique nature. Yes. Yes. I had this fantasy of Trump just tossing off a few ideas like, uh, well, well, what's wrong with white people wanting to stay a majority in the country their ancestors built? I can imagine him saying that. I have a very hard time imagining anybody else saying that. But except, as you say, the mainstream is shifting our way and there's somebody else is going to have to say that. And if they don't say that, well, then the people are going to say that. Right. One other thing I wanted to point out is in, you know, researching for this article, the way it's presented, like it was it was reported on by the Hill newspaper, one of, you know, a very establishment D.C. based daily publication. And all the people, all that quote unquote experts that they quoted were, were again, celebrating this fact, how diversity is a strength in America, how it's going to. It's the only, you know, the only 
future for our economy. It's going to benefit our economy and these sorts of things. And it's just outrageous the way it's even presented in the mainstream. And there's no there's no champion on our side to champion our interest and to point out these flaws in these arguments. And, of course, their very own Harvard boy, Robert Putnam, he did this extensive study looking at neighborhood after neighborhood in the United States. He wanted to prove that diversity was a wonderful thing. What he found was absolutely the opposite. He sat on the data. He tried to look at it from every possible direction, slice it and dice it. And just in an, out, in an offhand remark, he mentioned to a British journalist that he'd had these foundings. The British journalist wrote about that. He felt betrayed. He did not want to publish his findings. Most people in academia, if they have anything worth publishing, they can't wait to publish it. But he wrote this thing up, and he says, well, diversity is a weakness after all. But he says, well, maybe that's the case now, but in the future, it's going to be our strength. Did you get your quote? Yes. yes. <laughs> Go yes. back and listen to the archives. You can transcribe it. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. AmericanFreePress.net, America's last real newspaper. If you want to catch my exclusive, I don't post these anywhere else. I send them to John Friend. He sends them to Paul Angel. Great editing team there. After it goes through two washes of editing, my columns always look better. Uh, but it's been a real honor to join on uh, just uh, over the course of this summer and write these regular features for American Free Press. I appreciate you all asking me and publishing these things. We lost Twitter, but at least we gained American Free Press, and I love American Free Press, so I think we came out ahead if you think about it. John, final word to you, and again, how can they subscribe? Well, subscribe, check out AmericanFreePress.net, and just want to thank you for having me on the program. Great to meet Jared and so many other awesome people, Brad Griffin, Ruth Ann, um, Ed, and Mike, thank you so much for inviting me down here. It's been awesome. It's been a great time in Montgomery. Um, and we got a lot of work ahead of us, so thanks a lot, James. Well, I'll tell you something. <clears throat> I have had an eye on this young man, James Edwards, ever since he got into the business. And when he got started, I thought to myself, well, here's a promising young lad. How long will he last? He's in his 19th year. Yeah, thank you, Jared Taylor. But no small part as a result of your support and friendship. Thank you. We'll be right back. John Friend, American Free Press. Listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm John Schaefer. She's churning out in the Pacific, a major hurricane about to hit the U.S. USA's Laura Winters has more. This weekend, Hurricane Hillary prompting the first ever tropical storm alert for Southern California. Rain and very windy conditions expected stretching from Cabo San Lucas up to San Diego and then farther north into Reno, Nevada. The expected once-in-a-century rainfall could cause mudslides and landslides. Major League Baseball and Major League soccer, delaying several games as a precaution ahead of the storm. Police in Philadelphia say one person was killed and six others wounded when several gunmen opened fire on a crowd at a street party overnight. It happened around 1.30 this morning with some witnesses describing it as a shootout at a block party. The victims ranged in age from 19 to 51. No arrests have been reported. Hawaiian officials say the death toll from the Lahaina wildfires now up to 114. Hawaii Governor Josh Green called those deaths unspeakable and devastating. Green vowed to rebuild Lahaina and said it will take years of work and billions of dollars, but he's committed to the effort, and together they will meet the challenge. The U.S. is entering a new three-way partnership with South Korea and Japan. I want to thank you for your leader and leadership, and I say it again, for your courage 
that brought us together. I look forward to working with both of you ahead. President Biden Friday announced historic actions to increase cooperation between the Indo-Pacific nations that will include an annual meeting between leaders, annual military exercises, and greater information sharing on regional threats. A recent poll indicates that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and conservative businessman Vivek Ramaswamy are now tied for second place in the GOP primary. DeSantis saw a significant decrease from his previous 21% support in June. Now both he and Ramaswamy are at 10% each. Former President Trump has a commanding 56%. This is USA News. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around 200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code STRONG for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime, write to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code STRONG for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code STRONG. Turning the corner uh, and now staring down the home stretch, James Edwards and my co-host this evening, Jared Taylor. How about that? Uh, we're having a great time tonight, and we're going to bring on three guests in rapid order this segment. And the first is Miss Ruth Ann Holly. Now, how would you describe Ruth Ann, Jared? I think she just drips Southern grace and charm. Oh, my goodness. She is the epitome of the Southern lady. Miss Ruth Ann, it's been a pleasure to meet you. Absolute pleasure. And if you don't mind, ma'am, share with us and the audience at large your thoughts on the event uh, this weekend as a whole and tonight's program so far. Well, I, I have been absolutely delighted at this entire conference. And I have to say, as a woman, and I am not a modern woman, that, um, well, there's a scripture in Psalm 27:13 that says, I would have despaired unless I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living. <laughs> well, and this conference has encouraged me. It goes on to say, be strong and let your heart be strengthened. Wait on the Lord. And this conference has encouraged me because aside from my husband, whom I include in this group, I have seen... <laughs> I have seen mighty men of valor, <laughs> as it says in the Old Testament, and it encourages my heart because, honestly, as a woman, I want to know that there are men who, like our Confederate ancestors, are willing to lay down their lives and to protect their families, their women, and their children. Well, that is what has impressed me more about this conference 
than any other thing, and it just blesses my heart. You have come to the right place. You have come to the right place. We, you are among the living, and we are among the living because we are prepared to lay down our lives for what we believe in. Every last man here, I believe, he would march cheerfully to his grave. Cheerfully. Ruth Ann, uh, I appreciate you and your husband and all you do for the cause at large and this show specifically. But uh, you, you, this is an interesting part of our Southern history. After and during and after Reconstruction, a lot of people and suffered it. A lot of people dispersed. There is a, a great Confederate. Uh, uh, contingent and community in South America, the Confederados down in Brazil. Mm-hmm. But they also went to California and they, they started growing cotton in California. You read a beautiful poem about that, and with about a minute to go, just share that message. They did. Um, I, I, after my, I actually, I wrote this poem following the cotton, and it was a tribute really to my grandmother, but it was about the history of part of Mama's people. And it's called Following the Cotton. And I'll just share the first two lines. Um, But the cotton grows row after row. We saw them from granddad's back seat. The twins and I, arms and legs stuck together in the dog day summer's heat. The cotton fields grow row after row. We saw them from granddad's back seat until given way to a palm line driveway leading up to the mansion and ruins. There were no slaves then, only granddad and Ken, picking cotton and working the gin. His name was Jack Higgins, his daddy was Lundy, and his daddy, James Smiley Higgins. Alabama to Texas, and after the war, GTT nailed up on the door gone to Texas, they went. And then I go on in the poem with the names of all my different ancestors that followed the cotton. And so I'm not going to share the rest of it, but that just gives you an idea that they literally followed the cotton out to the San Joaquin Valley in California, where they were despised and treated very poorly. Dear sweet Southern lady, thank you, Ruth Ann. Jared, the response to that, please. Well, thank you, know, you, Ruth Ann. That reminds me of a story about one of my ancestors. My great grandfather, he was of a substantial family. His father had a plantation. They were ruined. The Yankees came through, destroyed everything. And he said, I've got no future. And off he went to Australia. He was going to just up stakes and go to a new frontier. Well, he came back, and he explained that the reason he came back was he determined that the Australians were a low breed of cattle, and he came <laughs> home. I'm glad he did. I'm so glad he did, too. <laughs> Thank you, Ruth Ann. Fantastic work. Give this dear lady a big round of applause, everybody. 
Now we have Jared with us now, uh, another gentleman who was with us just last week uh, near Nashville, Ed LePin. Ed, welcome back. We actually put you on the show last week. I wish more people could have heard it. It was just a, a once-in-a-20-year occurrence where we almost had to take a punt. The sound quality was poor. We've never had that with a remote broadcast before. We got it uh, troubleshot, if that's a word, and we changed out some components. We've done a lot of remote broadcast, including from a Donald Trump rally. You know how loud they are there. We've never had the problem we had last week, and we had some great guests on last week. First-time guests like Stephen McNallan and Ruben Caleb and some regulars like Peter Brimelow and Mark Weber and uh, Roger Devlin and others. Uh, but you were on. I mean, it. you could listen to it. You really had to try, though. Anyway, share the message you shared with me to Jared about last week's event and then maybe a couple of other words about tonight. Well, I just think God is using the conference here. And one of the things that burdens me that I heard tonight, and I've been reminded about it, is that the Twitter accounts have been shut down by Americans, patriots, who want to share truth. And I'm just going to make an appeal here as a Christian. There's many times that I couldn't go anywhere but to my Lord to try to open these strongholds down. And I'm asking people to pray for Jared Taylor and to pray for the leader of the political cesspool and you know jesus disciples when they came to him uh, he, he they didn't say lord teach us how to preach but he said teach us how to pray and jesus you know he said be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove we really need god in our country we have talked among ourselves that we're fearful that things are going to get out of hand we are a nonviolent people and Jesus never took up the sword. But in fact, he put Peter's sword up. But we're asking God to intervene in our country because we're worried about it. Well, uh, I'm so grateful for your prayers, and I'm sure James is as well. Thank you so much for those words of comfort. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Great to talk to you tonight. And let's, if we could, get Mr. Ed Boardwine uh, here. If you don't mind, Ed. Ed is one of the founders of the feast tonight, if you will, along with Mike Wharton, uh, one of the people who put this together. And uh, we couldn't. I know I'm speaking for my friend Jared when I say we couldn't have had a better time this weekend from last night in that picturesque little Hallmark uh, movie type of setting in downtown Wetumpka uh, to everything else we've experienced this weekend. I want to thank you for inviting us. We've got about two minutes this segment. Your reaction to the conference and uh, a little bit more about the SCC. Well, I'll tell you. Welcome to sweet home Alabama, baby. Sweet home. And we want it free, and we want it ours. Amen. Our, our people, our land. We're not going anywhere. We want our land. And you don't know how important it is for things like this today to get patriots like you guys that's been in the battle for a long time. It's so elevating for our people and so important for them to hear from you. They hear from me and Mike quite often, but they need to hear it from the die-hard guys, the names up there that, that's already been in this battle for so long. And this has been a great, great, great conference. I mean, we've had a, a full house, standing only, um, good, uh, good presentations from all of our people. We had really, really good uh, speakers. I mean, it's... It's going to be hard to beat this thing next year, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. But we're going to do everything we can because um, we're in a battle, 
and we're going to die on the battlefield, and that's okay with me. That's absolutely right. The great Stonewall said, when it comes to fight, you draw the sword and you throw away the scabbard. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you both, and God bless you. We're so so happy to have men like you on our side. Well, it's thank a God. Joy. Thank God. It's a joy to be in this battle with comrades like you. Great. I can't Great. tell you how much it means. God bless you. Thank you. Edward Wine and Mike Wharton, give them a big one one more time. Big round of applause. This is the reason we're here tonight. And uh, Jared, my goodness, this is it. One more segment and one more segment only. And it's coming up right uh, next. After these words here on the Liberty News Radio Network, you're listening one more time to the political cesspool from the Southern Cultural Center, live remote broadcast, two in a row, with Jared Taylor. Stay tuned. Materialistic science states the universe and everything in it emerged from an unguided, chaotic expansion of space-time matter energy labeled the Big Bang. But far from being the result of a chaotic Big Bang, the universe was initiated and put into ordered motion by the Creator. Thomas Jefferson, in the Declaration of Independence, attributed the laws of nature to the Creator, nature's God. Now, the Declaration of Wide Independence by Kyle McDermott sets the record straight, from the inception of the laws of nature and of nature's God, to the right of all the peoples of mankind to be self-governing within their own homelands. This book provides an ideology to utterly defeat the woke globalist communist tyrants. The Declaration of Wine Independence is a highly recommended addition to community, college, and university library philosophy collections and supplemental curriculum studies lists. Available at the Dixie Republic and Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, DixieRepublic.com, and at Barnes & Noble. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. Well, ladies and gentlemen, one more segment, and I lament the fact that it is only one segment. What a joy and privilege it's been uh, to broadcast tonight from the Southern Cultural Center, all three hours, co-hosted by Jared Taylor, the whole three hours, all these many appearances over all these many years, but never once, Jared, have we gone three hours together. Have you enjoyed it? Or have you enjoyed it? Let me ask you, have you enjoyed it? Oh, it's been wonderful. And you flatter me to call me the Uh, co-host. You are tonight. No, no. I have simply been by your side, (laughs) admiring your talent, and thinking to myself, 
how does this guy go for three hours straight? I tell all the people who want to interview me, look, no longer than one hour, because after one hour, it's impossible for me to say anything worth listening to. And you go for three straight hours. You are a force of nature. My goodness, you've done it tonight uh, and, oh. and, and still plenty in the tank. I think we could go all night long. I am in your shadow. I'm in your shadow. I'm happy to be there. A wonderful thing before we bring on our final guest of the night. Wonderful thing, my friend. Uh, you gave me a great opportunity last week. I want to thank you again. I mean, we did it last week, but I want to thank you again uh, for the American Renaissance Conference. And uh, just a quick, I mean, that had been so well reviewed by Occidental Descent, by, I know Mark Weber did a show about it. Uh, I, ca I had it listed here. Everybody who had countercurrents wrote about it. Obviously, there was an in-house review from uh, your organization. A lot of people talking about the success of last week's event. Let's circle back to that very, very quickly. Well, you have been at three American Renaissance conferences. This was by far your best speech. I've never heard you so eloquent, so impassioned, and so inspiring. You gave a wonderful talk. Oh. You hit that ball right out of the park. I'm so glad you were there. I'm so glad you invited me. I'm embarrassed now that you've said all of that. I was just talking about the event at large, not a personal critique, but it was a wonderful event, full of optimism, uh, full of energy. And, well, not that any of them aren't, but there was just there's, there's a sense of something well, you, building. Your talk was called Reasons for Optimism. And then there was another talk called The Greatest Time to Be Alive. Oh, what a talk that was. Yes, yes. That was by a fellow named Dries van Langenhove. It was his first speech in English. He is a Fleming. He's from Belgium. And he gave really one of the most wonderful talks I've heard in a long, long time. But, first, but my point is, the two of you both approach it from the same point of view. This is a great time to be alive because we are confident that our people will rise to this inco incredible, extraordinary challenge. At the very least, have an opportunity, an opportunity that time and circumstance did not afford us for so many generations uh, going into the past since um, this new post-World War II order. Yes. Uh, and so now at least we have a chance. That's, that's better chance. than we've ever had. We've never had a chance, you know, not in the last you know, several, several decades. Anyway, that being said, back-to-back -back weekends with you, my friend, uh, from Amrin to the Southern Cultural Center, we've had a, a good time and made some more. We've had a lot of memories over the years, uh, but we've made some more this weekend. Now let's bring on a very special guest, the only guest uh, who is not at the event itself tonight, one of our regular contributors in her own right, Courtney from Alabama got wind that we were going to be here tonight in her home state. She couldn't be here, uh, but she did want to call in, and I could not say no to that. Courtney, how are you tonight? Hey. Hey, James. I, I can call you by your first name, but I have to call Jared Mr. Taylor, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heavens. You can call me Jared. You can call me Hey You, if that's what you prefer. <laughs> So great to hear your voice. So great to hear your voice. We had to stagger through an American Renaissance Conference without you. Boy, I don't want to have to get used to that, Courtney. Oh, I, I'm a mother. I'm a mother in recent years. But you know what? When the kids start getting older, I think I'll commit to coming back. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. I saw photographs of those beautiful children of yours. My, oh, my. Do you want to give a critique of that? A critique? There's nothing to critique. <laughs> Gracious. An you assessment. Know, well, it, no, it just reminds me of how wonderful it is to have children that are living with you under your roof. When they all go away, it's so sad. It's just so sad. Enjoy them. Enjoy them because they will grow up. They will turn into different people. Enjoy every single age. I, When I first had my children, 
I, I kept wondering myself, how come nobody told me it was just going to be the best thing that ever happened to me? But it is the best thing, and I'm so glad you're enjoying that. Man. We had a similar conversation uh, on the ride from the airport in Montgomery yesterday about yes, the kids did. and changing seasons and all of that. But That's anyway, right. uh, Courtney, I know you didn't just call in to say hello. Uh, what do you got for us tonight? Well, first of all, I, and I'm not saying this just to flatter you, um, but you, I think you two are two of the probably the two most solid leaders in the movement you're still with us no drama um so i'm saying that sincerely you, you two have always been my favorite i hope i'm not hurting anybody else's feelings but um i go to your two events more than anybody so. <laughs> uh, well, well aren't you sweet courtney it, it's true that somehow uh, james and i have managed to avoid these uh, slanging matches fly above the turbulence is how i worded that we fly yep. above the turbulence yep. but yep. thank you for saying that courtney yes, truly thank you so much uh, i think no, it's because no james problem. it's because james is so lovable nobody's taking take a poke at him and <laughs> i just don't pay him any attention so <laughs> that could be it <laughs> that could be it <laughs> oh uh, yeah it's all it's all sincere said with sincerity but yeah both of y'all right now you're near my hometown of montgomery alabama it is a very special area to me that's where my entire family used to live uh, when i was a little kid during christmas my parents could take me around to see all my relatives just in one day it was so special but now Either most of those people are dead and all the young people have left Montgomery because of the changing demographics. It's really sad. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just a blood and soil type of person. I value uh, ethnic and regional identities. And I just, I think yeah. it's sad what a lot of stuff, you know, Southerners have something special where we've been in the same area for so long without moving around. And my family was in Montgomery for forever. I've had family in the state of Alabama since the state territory. I know where all my great-grandparents are buried within Alabama. And for the longest time, most of them were in Montgomery. And it's just, it's really, Alabama's always going to be my home. It has its imperfections, but it's always, it's going to be my home and I just, you know, I think a lot of Americans are losing their regional identities. They don't have a connection to soil or land. And as a Southerner, I mean, I, you know, I, I can't speak for other Southerners, but me, myself, I, I tend to be kind of closed-minded. I'm, I think this is why some of us, at least, I can't speak for everybody, but this is why some of us have such a low opinion of other people, other Americans moving into our regions of the country, because here we are, you know, we're, we love our homes, but these other people don't love their own homes enough to maintain them and preserve them. They have to move here and change us. Yes, <laughs> so yes, I yes, yes. No, I <laughs> so respect that sense of attachment, that sense of being part of the chain of generations. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I'm so glad that you are so attached to your home, and I hope it will always be your home. Oh, it, it will. It will. I, you know, I, I had well, uh, you, just. You've started a new generation, ahead. and they'll be Alabamians too. They they were both born in Alabama. Did you know? <laughs> the best I mean, I'm place. sure. You, I'm sure you didn't know. My mother was born in Birmingham, just up the road. I learned that tonight, even after all these years. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. She was a Birmingham lady, and Southern as Southern could be. 
I did not know that. I thought you were all Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> no, North Carolina. and uh, But then uh, she ended up growing up in Louisville, Kentucky. But she was born in Birmingham and always had a soft spot in her heart for Alabama. Courtney, before we wrap up tonight, a final question or comment uh, to Jared or to the audience at large. You always do such a good job when you're on. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, I kind of, you know, I had notes written here, but I kind of already summarized all of it. Um, yeah, you know, it's sad. If I were to give you a tour of Montgomery, I could take you to these nice old southern homes where my great-grandparents used to live. I used to go into them as a child. They had those high ceilings, and some of them had dirt floors in the basement, <laughs> and it was just and they could show me the bush in the yard. They, they, all, they all had a story of this bush in their yard where they would pull a stick off to uh, discipline uh, my parents when they were kids. Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> I know about that. Part. I know about that. My parents were southern <laughs> to the core in that respect, too. We had, we had in my house when we were growing up, we had railings. Way They were picture railings. And my dad used to keep a willow switch in every room <laughs> just because he had to have one handy should discipline be required. That was a very southern thing to do. Uh, you got to have rules and you got to have discipline. Indeed. I want to thank everybody who's been on the program tonight. Courtney from Alabama for closing us out. Uh, but uh, Mike Wharton, Ed Boardwine, John Hill, no particular order here. Pat Godwin, Ruth Ann Holly, obviously John Friend, Brad Griffin. Uh, Jared Taylor, but there is of all of the special people that are all of the people here who are special to me. There is one that has a really unique place uh, in my heart, and it's my son Henry, who has come down just a father and son trip. My wife was with me at Amrin. We had some family uh, medical issues with some aunts up in uh, Memphis this week, and so it was just my son to come down this week. And we've uh, we picked Jared up at the airport together. We went to a little meet and three diner for lunch yesterday, or or dinner as they call it in the South. And uh, Henry wants to say hello. All right, say it, buddy. Hi. You have anything else you want to say? Did you have fun with Mr. Taylor? Uh, yeah. And do you know it was it was Mr. Taylor who got you the pass to go to the skating rink last night? He was the one who said you need to take that boy skating. How did, did you have fun at the skating rink? Yes. Did you outskate everybody else? Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. Wonderful answer. Wonderful interview. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Well, James, you are a lucky man. You are a lucky man. I, I'm. I treasure this opportunity to meet one of your three children. That's right. You've yes. met some other. You've met some of the other ones I at different have, events. But they were, yes, they were small. I remember seeing. I remember seeing one of your daughters, Isabel. Uh, yeah. And I looked at her and I said, "Wow, you're going to be a beauty just like your mom." <laughs> What would you think about getting to know little Henry a little bit better this weekend? Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for everybody and um, for coming out tonight. I hear the music playing. Fantastic weekend. I don't know what I'm going to have to do with myself. I'm back in the studio next week. We won't be on the road. We'll see if we can remember how to do it normally. It's been a fantastic back-to-back -back weeks. Let's hear it one more time for Jared Taylor tonight, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. God bless you and God save the South. <laughs>